Hello, everybody, and welcome to your talking over me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Patrick, and today I welcome Jose Galison to the show. Jose is the host of No Way Jose and the Liberty Movement, both on YouTube. You can find him on Instagram at Galison Jose, and I will link to all of this in the show notes. And I asked Jose to come on to kind of wrap up a two-part discussion on right-wing anarchism, accelerationism, libertarian Twitter, pushing people to their limits, and fighting against the power structures that have been holding us down, not just our entire lives, but very specifically over the last year and a half. There's a lot to what I'm doing on this show that involves very heady topics of philosophy, religion, mysticism, you know, things like that. But if we're not using those conversations to achieve something in the real world, to build something, to create something, to work with like-minded people in our tribe, to make a better world for ourselves, our family, and our children, then all of those conversations are a waste of time. And I think these two shows somewhat outline my vision for how that could be done, at least in ways that are accessible to everyday people. And I continue to think they're important. So we'll see what you think. You can always, of course, reach me at uh, I am Adam Patrick on all social media platforms. You're talking over me at protonmail.com. And please continue to go ahead and leave five star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. I know a lot of you don't use Apple. I can see that from the metrics that I get on my podcatcher, on my pod hosting site. Sorry. Um, would it be weird? to ask you to just download Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and then delete it? I don't know. Is that weird? If it isn't, go ahead and do that, and then fuck Apple, right? If you don't like Apple, help a brother out, go ahead and delete the shit afterward, and move on with your life. You can even leave like something funny, and I'll, t- I'll talk about it on the show. I'll mention you. Um, it helps for people who do listen on there. It would help the cause very much, and I would, of course, very much appreciate it. All right, enough of my pandering. Let's go ahead and get into it with Jose Galison. So you 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 were the uh, what co-creator of the Liberty Movement group on Facebook, and one mm-hmm. of your YouTube channels is the Liberty Movement. So I feel yes. I felt like a natural place to start is asking you what your kind of entry into the quote unquote Liberty Movement was, like what got you on that path, and then how have you seen yourself evolve over time until. Let, let's say evolve until COVID, and then we can do another part with the okay. with that. Okay, so you're you're talking philosophically because I mean, obviously the the the, the name of that group mm-hmm. and the yep. channel that came out of it were clearly a we were kind of playing off mm-hmm. the branding of the Liberty Movement, but uh, so it does make some confusion sometimes in conversation. Sure. But uh, yeah, so far as like philosophically, I um I don't know. I like we were talking before in the pre. Uh, I. I been in for 11 years in the air force so i'm uh i've been in the military i kind of joined as a like uh just i mean i i like to say i'm like it was like a neocon or like a fox news conservative but that's like giving myself too much credit it's not like i really paid attention to that stuff too much at that time it was just kind of like what was on the news you know that's kind of i don't know i came from a always grew up in rural areas so that's just kind of what i was i uh fell into Fun to listen to podcasts because I got it. I had a long uh, commute, and then from there I kind of like started out with like Ben Shapiro, and then Shapiro went to like Rubin, and then from like Rubin, 
I mean, I think Crowder was in there somewhere. And then I think then eventually went to Rogan. And then I think at some point I found Dave, Dave Smith. And then I kind of started going down that route. I listened to him for a good two or three years before I like finally, because I mean, I was still in like mid twenties. Uh, so I was like, I don't know. I kind of got more into reading after a while. He kind of like pulled me into actually reading as, as, as silly as that sounds now to be like, Oh my God, I like kind of reading. I mean, for like a normal person, most people don't read. So it's like kind of a big mm-hmm. deal actually. So like, and, uh, and even now I still get most of my information from my like podcast. It's just, I feel like reading is still super important though. But, uh, anyways, yeah, I, he finally got me to read anatomy of state. And that's kind of when I went to becoming an anarchist. Like that's what made me make that jump from like, you know, hardcore minarchist, whatever you want to call that to anarchist. So, I mean, I kind of condensed that a lot, that journey, but that's where I was like pre COVID and, uh, yeah, and then I mean, I guess we can get to COVID later if you well, want. But that's kind of where I was. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting because you know I, I was just talking to um, I was talking to somebody today about the Overton window, and mm-hmm. and the the conversation came up because I was saying that I don't I don't listen to Dave Smith very much anymore, and they said mm-hmm. why do you do you not like him or something he said on Twitter bothers you? I said no, I think everything he's doing is is pretty predictable, and I have a lot of respect for him, and it's just I listen to the show I don't glean any new information from it anymore and i don't think that that is a negative i find it as a huge positive right because it shows that the overton window for me has shifted to you know pushing myself and expanding my mind sort of past those things and uh, i hope that you know every uh podcast uh podcaster you know everybody in the media everybody in like our little kind of social world sort of sees evolution of thought as a positive and mm. I, I do believe very strongly that if COVID hadn't happened, I would still be in this very intellectually lazy place that I was for about the decade before that, where, you know, I, I, I would have said all the right things. I would have answered all the questions correctly, but, you know, I wouldn't have been terribly motivated to go out and actually do anything about the state or taxes or the Fed or whatever the fuck thing that we just spout out, like we're used to saying, you know, and the Fed, taxation staffed. And then COVID hit. And, you know, I was in the, uh, I am in the restaurant industry. We were nailed obviously really hard, uh, not me personally, but almost everybody that I know. And I realized like, fuck that nobody saw this coming, not like COVID specifically, but nobody really saw the real world coming and it came, it ass fucked us. And it seems like everybody now is reacting to that. And what I hope doesn't happen is that people in our space fall back into that same laziness that we keep this radical attention going and pushing ourselves. So, you know, when was your, when were you sort of bent over by COVID and how did it affect your life, especially in the military? I imagine it's almost impossible to get away from. Yeah. You bring up a lot of good points there. Cause I don't, I mean, it's always like hard to like, am I reading too much of this or is it so happened? But I know I was very much in more of an intellectually lazy space. And that's not to say that Dave Smith or the, or that is, I'm kind of the same way. I still listen to the show regularly, but it is like, I'm kind of like, it's more like, yeah, just kind of do it. It's almost just like one of those, like, uh, I don't know, like the shows you've watched for forever that you kind of are just watching, you know, hmm. I don't know, just like never seems to end. So I still like kind of go to it. I have this like weird feeling of loyalty, but I still, I kind of am like, I don't get much out of it anymore. It, it, it's like what say he's saying is, a, it's like what he's saying is a given that that's a better yes. way for me to put it. You know, it's not that it's bad. It's, it's just, yes, of course, <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you. yeah, no, I get you. I mean, it's kind of like reading. I mean, not that it's a bad book, but it's like reading the same book over and over and over and over again. It's like, 
And, it's, and don't get me wrong, I think Dave Smith is indispensable. I kind of like, I definitely, I was already starting to latch on to, but Pete Quinones, mm-hmm. uh, I, I really started to latch on to him more because he's, uh, he's had a lot of intellectual exploration in the last yeah. year or so. Um, and I kind of, I kind of went down a lot of different tangents with him. And uh, I think it might, it may have something to do with the COVID because it's like, uh, one thing I was thinking, and I guess I'm not quite answering your thing, but it was like something that like, I got out of what you were saying. It's like kind of, I feel like COVID, especially for me, it took theory and made it reality. Mm-hmm. So like, cause that's a lot of what like, you know, we get accused of is living in theory and it's like, we're always in theory. And then this last year happened and you're like, look, motherfucker, it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, and like, and it even kind of took me by surprise because like, I, I, uh, these were things I've been saying were kind of happening. Like, Oh, we're due for another collapse, not collapse, but another, another bus, blah, blah, blah. And then it comes and it's just like, you're like, damn, I didn't expect to be that fucking right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But like, and, and like, I guess to bring it back to the military thing, I, I actually, it was pretty cushy for me. I mean, it's to be expected being, I mean, don't get me wrong, there, there were par- parts of the time where like, because basically I, I had a period of time where like my job, I, I actually do like, it's not like some desk job because I mean, there's different aspects in the military. You got like the operational people and then you got like the non-ers, especially in the Air Force. And those are people who do like stupid desk jobs that like is just completely just sucking away taxpayer dollars not that it all isn't but there's literally no justifiable reason for them for the most part they're called non-honors non-essentials so those are just your desk jockeys um and i'm a mechanic so uh but we pretty much for the most part like we, we i still expected to come in occasionally like during covid but like i was basically for the most part getting paid to stay home I mean, after a while work started back up and it started to suck but for the most part it wasn't bad and so like i know a lot of my like military friends i feel like they kind of got like if anything, they were kind of like made them latch on more to like the military and the government. And for me, it was like, I was like, I need to, I mean, I already kind of wanted to get out and I was kind of like, but it made it more of an imperative. I was like, I need to get the fuck out because like my thing is I've been saying like, like I, I it's a well-known thing that I've, I'm, I've been honest for a while. For a while I was, uh, I didn't tell people I was in the military when I started podcasting, but I, I have now cause I'm like a week away from, from like basically being done. Mm-hmm. But, um, like I was, I've been an ANCAP for a good while. I mean, not like a ton of times, like it's been like a decade, but I don't know, three, four or five years. And it wasn't until like the past like year or so that I was really like, I, yeah, like I need to get out. And it's not because I'm like some holier than thou. Cause I know a lot of people are like, Oh, you're an ANCAP or you must be like self-hating. And it's like, yeah, kind of. But at the same end of the day, it's kind of like, I mean, I still got bills to pay, but now it's like, the selfish aspect is really coming in. Cause like my theory is becoming practice mm-hmm. to where it's like, now I can see the writing on the wall. And even from a selfish perspective, like it's kind of like, I'm still like shit. So, and then, which has been kind of cool to have this conversation with some like normies, like my, like, like, cause I'm able to be like, cause a lot of people are very much like that. You can, you can break it down to them on like principle and like, this is why this is wrong, blah, blah, blah. blah. And they'll be like, okay, cool. But, I got a paycheck to get, but now this like theory that we've been saying is coming in reality. And I'd be like, Look at this shit that just happened. Like, what do you think is going to happen later? Do you really want to be dependent on the government when it comes? Like, yes, having a government job might be a little bit better than being dependent as in like some welfare queen, but it's still not, it's still not as good as being independent or as independent as you possibly can be, you know, as, as apart from being part of the government. So, yeah, it, it definitely COVID was a, definitely a mind fuck for me. It, it took me down a lot of different roads. I went definitely the biggest shift is I kind of, I would consider myself an agorist now. That's kind of where I am. I, I, the fucking LP really sucked any 
not even that. I mean, it's also theory as well that I've kind of like been thinking more, but especially in practice, they showed this year of what a shit show that whole thing is. I know we have this whole takeover now, but it's kind of like, I feel like it showed its true face. And like, this is what it's, even if we do this takeover, I feel like this is what's going to inevitably turn right back into. So like, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't see the political route being the way to go. I think people starting to act theory becoming practice is what we need. It, you know what I mean? Like, and we're not going to vote our freedoms back <laughs> like, yeah. or, or even use, or even use the political apparatus for messaging. Cause I think it just is going to corrupt in the end. So, yeah, it, it tends to, and, and I look, yeah. you know, I, I'm involved in the, the Mises caucus here in Connecticut. Uh, m- for for a couple of reasons, one of which uh, I've met, I know the people here personally, like all of them, and I think they are really good people, and they all think like I do, or ninety yeah, percent. Same of them here, think by the like way. I don't do. mean to cut you off, yeah. but same here. Like I, all my friends are Mises Caucus people, and they're like, "Why don't you want to join?" I'm like, "Okay, you got a, you got an hour." <laughs> and and the other and and the other part of it was, you know, I was always well, I was told at a very young age, and I've learned that this is true. Uh, when you're offered power, you take it. It doesn't matter what it is, right? You, you might not know what to do with it. You might not exactly know what the position is. But if somebody wants to put you on the state central committee for the Libertarian Party, you say, yep, I will absolutely do that. And then you figure out how to make it work for you. And, and so I had that opportunity. I took it. Um, th- this show has helped, I think, a lot with, with some of that. Um, but it was, you know, it was going through this past year and seeing what, for me, is a huge white pill. But I think for a, a lot of people, maybe listening or you know, people weren't, it it was kind of a black pill. And that was, you know, folks split into these two ideologically opposing camps, right? One where, uh, they're willing, we're willing to accept the joys and the risks that come with like hugging your family and playing with your kids and, uh, shaking hands and hanging out in restaurants and the other camp that thinks the fucking air is poison. And for me, it was kind of a long battle of this, minarchist versus anarchist on Facebook back like nine years ago and me looking at that and saying, well, you know, maybe the minarchists are right, but not because they, not because they, they think that anarchism can't work It's because people are really fucking fucked up. So if like Ancapistan could work, we have to engineer it. Somehow we have to build it with like these certain structures. And now I'm seeing these two camps split up in the country and probably in the world and seeing this huge opportunity for um, radical decentralization, balkanizing, splitting up, us going over there, them going over there, leaving each other the fuck alone. But as I was just saying on a, the show I was recording just prior to this, the problem with that is we're super fucking fine with being left alone, and we're not going to bother anybody if they oppose us. The other side is intrinsically value oriented toward destroying enemies. And I think that is something that is very difficult for right-wing anarchists, libertarians to comprehend um, because kind of the best we have right now is shit posting right on Twitter. Like what do we do when the entire group of people on the evangelical left, the cathedral, the church of woke wants us dead? What do we do with that? Because we're not really, not, not that we wouldn't go out in the street and like brawl with somebody who was trying to fuck with our girlfriend or something, but this is like a culture war and we're like ideologically pure and we're not supposed to take part in that. And for me, I'm like, no, I want to take part in that. I absolutely do. So what do you think? Oh shit. You threw a lot. Yeah. Uh, I was like, Sorry. I kept thinking like, oh, I got this. I could go that. 
I mean, you did bring up one thing, and I actually kind of got an argument. Well, not I guess not an argument, just a discussion online today about this, about like the they were kind of making that whole concept of like because I'm very much in the same vein as you. Is like I'm if anything like I've had Reed Coverdale on my show a few times, and he's big in the Lib Unity thing, and I and I am, and I'm not as well. Like and that's how I explained to him. It's like I am. I, I see Lib Division and Lib Unity as two sides of the same coin because mm. like. That is my thing. I want to separate the wheat from the chaff, and then I want to take uh, our, our our camp and you know uh, balk or not balkanize, but uh, it, like uh, God, I can't think of the word. But basically, bring them together, insulate them as much as possible, and then take the other side and just be like, I don't care what you do. Go go. I mean, if you want to come over here and you want to have the same values, cool. But I mean, you can fuck off till then. Like, I want nothing to do with you. And that's kind of what you're getting at, like the separation. I think we have a very good opportunity for that in a lot of different ways intellectually i think even physically we're starting to see movements towards certain areas you know like florida um stuff like that mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so and I, I i was talking and they were like oh you know like this, they're, they're gonna always come after you and it's like yeah cool they will but like here's the thing if we're doing this like and you kind of have two sides it's not necessarily two sides in a sense it's not like you're gonna be at state a and state b it's like you're going to have state A and you're going to have group of people B. It's not like we're going to have some magical leader, which is actually like I've to, not to bring it back to politics again. This is kind of one of the main reasons why I'm not main. I have a bunch of different arguments, but it's one of them. Like I kind of don't like this like centralization, you know, forming up behind not to say we shouldn't have leaders, but it's a big centralization where it's like as if we're just this amorphous blob that is also somehow at the same time, in a sense, unified by liberty. Like it's kind of like, what, what are you going to do? There's no person you can kill. And there's also no person you can corrupt to to turn the movement one way or the other. You know, it's just this amorphous blob of people who believe, leave me the fuck alone. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of what I'm trying to push. And I also want to preface everything that I say, which I don't feel like I should preface this. I comes with the humility of I could be wrong. I'm very much a Mm -hmm. I don't I don't I'm not somebody who has like certainty that I'm right in anything at all. (laughs) Like I'm open to being learning different things. So like when I say like stuff about like politics that I have already, I'm not saying I for sure know I'm true. There's always, especially with, with talks of tactics, there's a lots of speculation that comes in play. So, you know, mm. well, you know, it's, I, I don't think, I don't think you are wrong. And the, the, <laughs> one, one of the, one of the things that, you know, I kept playing around with in my head over the last, you know, 15 months, 16 months now was, you know, when I say the term Ancapistan, I don't mean it in like the literal theory sense of how, Rothbard would have laid it out. I mean, it as like a colloquial term for a place where like we would feel comfortable. So I just want to make that clear for the listeners. So I was, I was making the point of defense because I know everyone says they're going to come after us, but if it's like, Hey, if we're over here, it's like, okay, what are you going to do? Kill a couple of us. We're going to, we're going to win by attrition, even if it's way less than us of us and them. And and I've, I've often made the point. um, I feel like ad nauseum at 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 this point that, you know, I, I don't think a lot of ANCAPs would like, what Ancapistan looks like. I don't think they would really enjoy the sort of, I don't want to say lack of freedom, but the amount of hard work and sort of giving up a lot of the, the benefits of living in this particular society and culture that it would take for that to work. And one of the things that I thought about throwing out just as a devil's advocate argument to some of the guests, and I'll, I'll throw it at you, is if you're living in Ancapistan and you happen to see I mean, you could even take this to your own neighborhood or whatever, but let's say it's in Kapistan and you see in a neighboring state, 
that people are starting to get really sick, break out in hives, cough a bunch, there's some contagious disease going on. I mean, would you like let them in? Or would you wall that motherfucker off and stick some people with machine guns up on top of the turrets, you know, ready to save your, it just seems to be so obvious that that's what like any rational person would do. If it was just my home, I would lock my doors and I wouldn't let people with fucking Ebola into it. So yeah, it, well, I mean, there's obviously context, but I agree entirely. Of course. And, and, <laughs> and, and I guess the context that I, that I would bring up is the reason that people have a hard time applying that to the United States of America or their particular one of 50 states is that we don't like ide- ideologically believe in those organizations or their ability to protect us. And so that's where it comes like, well, maybe we shouldn't, we should let those people in, or maybe there should be free travel. And it's this weird amorphous kind of like, we're going to judge the state that we live in now based on what we're, what we're seeing and what we're living in. But really in our own reality, we would do, we would do a lot more to protect ourselves than we would want to see happen in this reality. Does that make sense? Mm. Oh, yeah, entirely. I mean, it's kind of the idea of like basically Hoppe played on this a lot, the concept of, you know, private property. And it'd kind of be like essentially you end up with 350 million uh, monarchs, essentially. Mm. So, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have and and, and even then they would kind of group up together with these covenant communities and stuff. So there would be ones that you you group off and they would be completely, you know, like, hey, say the hell out. And then obviously even then you probably have communities that are going to be your your degenerates or whatever. And and who knows, you know. This is why I get annoyed in a sense with the culture war, because, I mean, while I do think there is, depending on what we're talking about, there's importance. But in another sense, it's kind of like, because a lot of times we're talking about, like, or, do you like polygamy or do you like this or do you like that? And it's like, I don't pretend to know what the correct social structure is, but in the absence of a state, I feel like it's kind of it allows them to compete because I kind of believe you would end up having these different communities and you'd find out in the end. I mean, I have my thoughts on which one is going to be best. It's going to be, it's kind of closer to the trad type thing, but, uh, <laughs> well, know. I mean, don't you think there's a reason why we kind of, you know, separately all come to that conclusion that there seems to be something in tradition, culture, social order, hierarchy, that when we look at it, not only does it just, I guess, feel better, but we can go back and look at the cycles and patterns throughout history and see that it works better. And when people don't, you know, it, it, I don't really care what people do in their own social lives. It doesn't really affect me who they love and, you know, what they do and whatever. It, it's, it, it doesn't matter to me. But when you kind of look around at what works and what doesn't and what creates a, a peaceful, loving, caring, nonviolent society and what causes the opposite, well, it's pretty fucking obvious that one thing works and one doesn't. And that, that led me on this path over the last year and a half to kind of rediscover um, Christianity, which I you know grew up Roman Catholic, but I was basically agnostic all of my life. And I'm not even going to say that I'm a Christian now, but I'm exploring it on the show over time, exegetically going through the Bible and kind of looking at the structures. And it seems to me that when people can embrace a certain type of spirituality and they don't turn it into a bureaucracy, like the Roman Catholic Church or something like that, um, it seems to work very well. For society. I mean, even if somebody believes in like the comet God, I don't know, those societies seem to still be flourishing out in the middle of the Amazon somewhere while we're destroying each other here in the West. Yeah, I, uh, this is one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately too. And I'm, uh, I have no desire whatsoever to really 
get into spirituality or religion or whatever on a personal level. I mean, maybe I guess it depends on how you define spirituality. Perhaps maybe I would be, but like for the most part, not really. I, I'm not a big fan of that woo woo and stuff, but I understand there is a reason for it and people like community and there are, and I think there are, I'm starting to come to the belief that there are, there is utility to religion. There is a positive utility to religion in a sense. I'm still very much from my like atheist perspective of the mind that I would prefer someone can come to the, you know, correct conclusions through what I would consider to be proper logic. Uh, and this isn't to like assault your intelligence or anyone else who has it. Cause mm -hmm. my logic could be wrong, but I obviously I'm of the opinion. My logic is correct. So I prefer people come to this conclusion like through proper logic. But at the same time, as long as you just same to come to the same conclusion, I kind of don't care. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so if we can both get to a point where it's like, you can do what you want and I can do what I want and we're going to leave each other the hell alone. Whatever. I mean, we can have discussions inside later and I'd be like, well, what logic led you to leave there? Cause there is actual legit problems. If you were able to come to a conclusion, even if it's a correct conclusion through faulty logic, that could lead you to going down bad paths down the future. But as long as you're on the right path right now, that's what I'm most concerned about. And we can deal with, you know, fixing your logic later if we don't have discussions, but whatever. And so I think religion has a good place with that. Like I would prefer people come through the correct logic, what I consider the correct logic. But if we can get to the same point, and I think religion plays in a lot of this, especially modern day Christianity is like very, very, very much embroiled in a lot of what I would want the conclusions people mm -hmm. to reach. And while I, I am actually of the opinion that a lot of these conclusions are actually not really what the Bible kind of gets at if you look into it, but whatever, if that's how you interpret it and that's how you get there, I kind of don't care. Like, and I, even then I can also, I could, there are, I mean, I'm not like super well versed in the Bible anymore. Uh, since that's not something I concern myself with as much more, but I can totally make arguments to get you where I want to go through the Bible. I also could probably do the same thing with communism or whatever I want to. When you have a book that's thousands <laughs> of years old and it has like all sorts of shit all over it, you can kind of like make whatever you want out of it. But if I can get you the conclusion I want and that's like a meaningful tool to you, the Bible, I'll find a way to get you there through that instead of like trying to preach atheism at you or something like knowing that you're not going to catch that. Like I kind of have the same thing with rights. Like I don't know where you're on with rights. I think they're a made up social contract or construct. I think they have utility but at the same time, and like, if I can't get you to, to see that and that they're like made up and like come to the same conclusion, whatever, I'll tell you their objective and go, okay, well, this is, this is this and you know, whatever. I don't care. It's not, I don't really care to take the time to explain this other concept to you when it's like much easier to explain the main concept to you and get you to the conclusion I want. Mm. <laughs> you, you know, I've had this same, I've had basically that same discussion with, uh, do you know, made by Jim Bob, the meme guy on Instagram? You familiar oh, with a cool him? Name, though. He, so his name's Jim Bob. He does like uh, sketch drawings. Like people, I'll I'll send you one after this. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll send one to you in the DMs, and you'll know immediately who I'm talking about. But he's Probably. um he's an objective Christian, and and I've often said to him, even though like I've done real in depth studies of the Bible, and I'm bordering on maybe believing that that stuff is actually true. That for me, I'm kind of in your camp where I'm like a utilitarian with it. That you know, even if I don't believe the Bible is the word of God, there's actually a lot of shit in there that if you apply it the right way, works really well. And again, with rights, unless you believe in some kind of divinity, then rights are completely subjective and utilitarian. They have to be. 
right? There's no, you have to have one or the other. If there's no divinity, if there's no divine thing creating the rights, then you just made them up. But if you made them up and they fucking work, well, then whatever. Like, at least that's better than not believing in them at all, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know why it works so well to say, don't hurt other people and take their stuff, but it fucking worked for Jesus and it seems to work really well for me. So, like, maybe that's the starting point. We don't really need to get that deep. I mean, I, I probably will anyway. But if it just means that you pretend to follow, then great. We're, we're not, you know, we're not going to end up um, in gulags or, I'm sorry, putting people in gulags for that. That's going to be the other side. Uh, the, the, you know, atheism, my problem with atheism is I feel like it's, and I guess you could say this about religion too, when used the wrong way, it leads people who are followers down a path that may have gotten us here. Right. Mm -hmm. So like the new atheists that came out, like the Dawkins and the Hitchens and these people, right? Like they're smart enough to go and live healthy moral lives. But the people that follow them and preach this atheism on Twitter, like they're the people that lead to fucking gender equality degrees at Yale. Right. That's how mm -hmm. that happens. And I do understand the point that, you know, Christianity has led crusades and murdered people and had the Inquisition. I do get that too. But all of that has been corrupted by people. It's not ideas. It seems to me yeah. if we're going to follow a path that has to be one with really specifically defined morals, libertarianism is kind of the morality of Christianity. It's really kind of the same path. Yeah, and if not, you can use the Bible to get people to there. Because mm. that's what I'm kind of getting at. Like, you can interpret it a lot of different ways. There are, I mean, one thing I discovered after getting out, which I'm sure it's not news to you, is there are plenty of people who interpret the Bible through an anarchist lens. Yeah. So, like, that is a big thing these days, which, I mean, I wish I had known of earlier because it's so friggin' obvious in retrospect. Like, a lot of those concepts, like, oh, that's so, like, and I mean, maybe we're interpreting it looking through that lens and maybe it's just, but at the same time, it just feels so natural of a fit in a sense. Cause like even me being an atheist, I do remember in the old Testament when they wanted to institute a King, God was kind of like, well, that's dumb, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Judges, that's book what of, book of judges. Yes. Yes. The book of judges. <laughs> I talked about the book of judges on a show with my friend, uh, Andrew from popular Liberty on Twitter. And, um, and we talked about how essentially God was giving them an anarchist commune. And they just kept mm. fucking it up and fucking it up and fucking it up. And they were like, please give us a king. And he gave him a king and they fucked that up too. So, <laughs> I mean, they didn't really. Uh, the democracy. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really have it out. It didn't really work for them. But, you know, that's another another story for another day. Um, yeah. I know you said you don't really, you don't really, is it that you don't like politics? You don't follow politics? Both? You'd rather not? I mean, you'd rather I mean, just I disengage? It, it, I guess it's just different. Def defining terms i mean in a sense i guess you could make the case that agorism is anti-political in a mm -hmm. sense and so therefore is kind of political but whatever we can play semantics and a lot of people do that like well you're still political like well i don't agree with utilizing the political apparatus but i obviously am very interested in so if you want to say it's political philosophy it's kind of like the word politics is kind of a squirrely term so it's like i'm not i've become disinterested in the day-to-day -day, like what bill is this what politician because like I very much in the past years learned a lot of that's just like a smoke screen. Not that it's not real, but a lot of it's not what matters. And it's so like, but for the most part, I'm just more advocating like Magnus Pinvidia put out a tweet today that kind of like perfectly gets at what I'm getting at a lot of times. And it's like, um, uh, was it? Oh, God, I wish no, I had it in my head, but it's like a stop, stop uh, arguing about changing laws, start breaking laws. Mm. <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. And like, 
I mean, sure, I guess people could say both, but at the same time, I'd I'd rather people just start pushing it. I'd rather preach a because I mean, the other day it's like was it Boetti said that you know like you walk away from it and like a, like a monolith or Goliath or whatever the term is, it will fall up on its own weight. It's kind of like all that government at its essence is is the myth of authority. So if I can just get people to like lose any respect for it whatsoever, mm. like if I can normalize breaking the law and not hurting people, obviously then like, cool. <laughs> if I can go smoke a duber in my, in my front yard and my neighbor not care and just like, whatever, doesn't even bat an eye. Like that's, a, that's a small win. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, I know it sounds dumb, but it's, it's changing things. So. I mean, that, yeah, I think yeah. that's true. And I, I talked to Magnus on the show and I don't remember if I brought this up or not, but I'll, I'll bring it up with you. I, I was, um, I, I haven't voted since I wrote in Ron Paul in 2008. I went in, wrote him in, and that was the only time I ever voted in an election outside of my municipality. But uh, I secretly wanted Trump to win in 2016 for what should seem like obvious reasons, like just ass fuck the system. And then I secretly wanted Biden to win in 2020 because Trump was a, a fucking pussy. And I thought, okay, here we go. Maybe Biden will come in. He'll fracture the left. They won't have an enemy to focus on anymore. They'll start infighting with each other and we can start picking them off you know, metaphorically in Minecraft. So mean you you simpatico. Yeah. yeah, So, I mean, (laughs) that's kind of how I looked at that particular thing uh, in politics, but I haven't, you know, the only time I see Biden talk or Kamala Harris talk, it's when somebody who's in my little in group tweets them saying something fucking hysterical on Twitter. And so I don't know all of the ins and outs of what's going on there. I just want to see more destruction. And I feel like, and I mean, kind of like metaphorical, just, well, let's say metaphorical destruction and, and Twitter, you know, I, I've, I've only been on Twitter. I mean, I've had it for a decade. I've only really been using it for a couple of months. And I think you kind of said the same thing. It's, it's such a beautiful place to cause destruction. Isn't it? It's it just, <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I wish I had more time to do it. Like you're really good at it. You know, I had Aaron from timeline earth on, he's really good at it. Like the whole kind of your social circle specifically is all really good at it. Uh, we need more of that. Like yes. all, all the, that. Yes. Like that is what I want and more in like real life. And it, it's like, that's, that's what I was getting at earlier with driving the division. Like I just, that the, the, the rhetoric and the dialogue that is occurring on Twitter is it, like right now is a perfect representation of what I want in the real world. Mm. And like, philosophically like because like it's so divisive but in a in a i don't know it's a very like for example i don't like twitter i don't really argue with people very very rarely do i argue with people on twitter if i argue with them it's i'm absolutely just making fun of them and like i mean maybe i will for a second but as soon as they get even a little bit cunty like i'm just gonna like i i'm just gonna mess with them or disregard them like i said on reed's show like kind of joking like we like like, I'm just going to call him a faggot and move on. <laughs> like, I, I don't have time for you. Like, because, I mean, it's not, part of that is just, like, the design of Twitter, the 120 characters thing. I think it's, what, 240 now? But even then, I can't tell you how many times my Facebook instinct would kick in and I would, like, start mm-hmm. right, typing out this mm-hmm. long thing. And then I'd be like, oh, God, this is too annoying. I have to either do a thread or I got to, like, do multiple replies. And you're like, ah, whatever. It's not even worth it. And, like, and part of that I, I like because I feel like, now is the time for division like we were getting at earlier and it doesn't mean we can't have the liberty or anything they go hand in hand but there are certain 
types, I want to go away. It's kind of the remnant concept. Like I'm trying as quickly as possible to identify the remnant and bring them together. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what is happening on Twitter. And like, I know it sounds silly. It's shit posting. People say it's, you know, whatever. It's just immature or whatever. I don't care. Like, I'm just trying to like tell the people who, you know, like I'm trying to create an intellectual philosophical divide is essentially what I'm trying to get, get. And that's all I'm about right now. Like I just, that is what I'm trying to drive. Like, I don't know. And because it's like, it's like almost like they did it on, I don't know if they did it on purpose or if it's just accidental, but they like push us off the platforms that are like, allow you to have long dialogue. And so it's like, now the conversion time is done. Now it's time to break off into teams in a sense. Mm -hmm. So like, because Facebook was great. I'm not going to lie. I probably had a lot of progress on Facebook and like, talking to people and be like, well, this is why this and explaining concepts. But like, now we're at a point where it's like, I don't have time for this shit. Like, are you on or are you off? Like, I mean, like what's going on here? Like, that's where we're at right now. And so like, and I'm going to take those people are on and drive them super on those off and drive them super off. That way we can clear identify teams and move from there. (laughs) No, I think the, the 120 characters, what what it does is it make it forces you to focus right? It, it, it makes you go from, I'm giving a speech to, I have to do this really quick. How can I do it more effectively? And it actually, if you're doing it right, which, which you are, and I try to, it, it, um, it refines your argument and makes it less ambiguous. So it actually yeah. forces you into being like a better you. And, mm-hmm. and again, to your point, you made a good point. It's, it's so indicative of the actual culture because yeah, I guess if you go to the supermarket, you're having Facebook style conversations with people. But if you really talk to them in depth, you're having Twitter conversations with people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. using you're gonna, Twitter, you're immediately going to dismiss. If, if you, if I go to the supermarket and someone starts a conversation with me, like for example, um, I think a few weeks ago, I was at Publix and me and my kids both didn't have it. I think this is right after the CDC change. So like, like it was that thing where like, if you're in the supermarket, and you don't have masks on, people are probably going to mostly assume you don't have, you, you've been vaccinated mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, well, now we can do if you're vaccinated. Because I'm in Florida, they'll be like, well, if you're vaccinated, you can have it. And I, I swear, but I have my kids with me. And I'm like, you aren't wearing that shit. Because I'm like, I'm like, I mean, for one, like, I always tell my kids not to wear that shit anyways. But like, I remember overhearing someone like talking shit, basically, like, oh my God, like, you know, don't they know that like they could, they could still, like, I could just overhear some. I didn't hear all the details. I, <laughs> I could tell they were talking crap. And they were obviously be the only reason they knew they mentioned something about the kids. So I knew it was the only reason they even knew is because of the kids. Because if it had just been me and my wife, they would just assume we were vaccinated. But my kids were there, so they were talking shit. I ignored them. I don't care. They can, because this is kind of like, but had she tried to have a conversation with me and brought that up, mm. I would immediately be dismissive. Yeah. So that's why it's like, it very much is real world conversation. They're like, I'm going to immediately quickly try to decipher, are you worth my fucking time? And if not, I'm going to just kind of, if you're not worth my time, I'm just going to smile and go, oh yeah, that's nice. Oh, okay. I mean, it's a little bit different on Twitter because instead of the, oh, that's nice, I'm going to be like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> but in real life, it's very much the same. I mean, you can kind of almost get the body language and someone's kind of give the fuck you. I don't want to talk to you. Like, you're just going, oh, that's nice. Okay, cool. And then you move on with your life. Like, and that's kind of what it, we're going on Twitter now. <laughs> like, well, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing because it seems like, you know, I, I'm going to just qualify myself as a right wing anarchist, I guess, for the sake of brevity. But, it, you know, the way that we, you, us, use Twitter is very much leftist tactics, right? It's very much Saul Alinsky-style tactics. And when you use it against the left, they actually fall into the old-school right-wing trap of trying to explain themselves out of it. 
and it's actually a beautiful like wraparound, right? It, it, it isn't what they're not, it's, it's almost hard to use it in person because you have to be there to kind of engage in front of everybody. But on Twitter, you can come and go, you can use sock accounts, you can be a pretend person. So you're coming there, you're, you're fucking punching them with their own style of argument and then they don't know what to do. So they're like, oh, you're a racist. You're, and then you're just gone. You're just not there anymore to engage in them. And they just fall on a flat ear. Then everybody else just starts piling on top of them, like defending yeah. what you're saying. It is it is exactly what they want to do. And somehow they can't. Like yep. other than maybe like leftist bots, but you know those people. They're the people they that take Mal- themselves too seriously. That's what it is. The the only person I find who falls for this is Michael Malice. He's constantly responding to fucking Russian bots. Like he's constantly going for people with like five followers who you know there are there just to annoy. I don't know if he does it on purpose or not, but when I see those people, I just block, mute, block. I'm not, nope, not paying attention. And yeah. and it, yeah, it's such an interesting like flip of the dichotomy. I don't know if that means we're winning or just enjoying ourselves on the downfall. Or <laughs> I don't know. I know to play in that one one thing I've embraced a lot this this past year is like. I guess you could call it public affairs, propaganda, whatever you want to call it. Like that is one thing I've embraced a lot. Like the concepts of that, like utilizing how to work in crowds. Mm. Like, I don't know. Cause it's not, it's more about how do I sell this? Like, how do, how do I move things? How do I shake things? Like to, to go back to politics, like the, uh, the state accounts and how they've been in the LP, the LPMC, they've been on fire lately. Like, well, well, I may not agree. Like they've been fucking killing it. Like, like LPKY, like, I mean, don't take this as an endorsement of the fucking utilizing political apparatus. But right now they're doing like if I was to imagine a how I would want the LP to work, they're they're pretty goddamn good. Like, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are saying they don't want them to do shit posting. I'm like, fucking more, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. <laughs> but like they've been. I, yeah, that's uh, I forgot what my point was. But yeah, that's, they're very much utilizing this like this. How do we utilize this mob mentality? Because like that's another thing too. you got to keep in mind when you're utilizing social media, you're not talking one on one. There are always, always uh, mm-hmm. friggin' spectators. Oh, yeah. So like, and that's why like it's different. Like, like if I, I'm, it's not like I'm trying to convince this one person. And like, there is utility to like completely making someone look ridiculous or making fun of them or whatever. Like, yes, you may not win that person, but you're going to either. Yes, I know most of the time it's just going to go to your buddies. But if anything, it's going to strengthen their resolve. On the other end, there might be people who question their th- their thought process once they see some exchange you've had. Like, who knows, you know? So. Oh, I, I mean, you know, I used Facebook the same way. I mean, I, I would get into arguments with people that I knew in real life on Facebook, and they would message me, and they would be like, why, why are we having this conversation? I'm like, oh, it's not for you. Like, I don't care yeah. about you. This is for the people watching, because I would get you know, uh, messages or texts, or I would see people out at a restaurant and they'd say, you know, I saw that interaction you were having with so-and-so. I really appreciate that you were saying that point. You know, I can't say it because my kid's in a school with so-and-so and blah, 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 but they would see it and they would appreciate it. Um, I think that same thing when you're on Twitter and you said, you know, you're not convincing the person that you're talking to. If anything, you know, they're not going to be convinced. So the whole argument is for the audience. That's the whole performance aspect of it. You're and you're not. A lot of people would think that we're going on there to change hearts and minds. I feel, as I think you do, and I think you even mentioned this. I'm out there splitting the vote. I'm out there being like, I want to know who's on my fucking team, and this is how we're going to do it. If it's going to be shit posting, or it's going to be like putting up a gif or a meme or something that bothers people. Okay, well now I know that motherfucker's not on my team. 
and this motherfucker is on my team. And that helps me group so that I know who I can trust and who I can't trust, which moves us in the direction of radical decentralization because we know who we need to live around. We know who we need to be talking to and experiencing life with in real life. Yeah, and I will also, like, I now I've come to the point where I will literally throw up bait. And that is that exact thing where it's like I'm trying to figure I'm trying to humiliate those who would get triggered and then and then find out people who are on my team. Because, for example, like Fat Dave, the Fat Dave account today put out a tweet. Uh, I haven't seen the, the, the uh, fallout from it, but it's a perfect example of what I'm getting at. He put out a tweet and he said, I'm all for reparations. There are plenty of white slave owners who who never who didn't who lost their property never got their money back and it's like clearly a joke like me and you know that's a joke <laughs> and, and like but we know there's gonna be people freaking yeah. the fuck out and i'm sorry if you can't take that joke i mean you can be like oh i'm well i don't culturally like i don't really want anything to do with you like yeah sure maybe you could be like well i'm team liberty too but like I'm sorry. I don't want to affiliate with soft bitches. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you don't seem to be someone mm. who could really, really come up to this because you kind of got out earlier out in Capistan's not going to be fucking easy. Not that I think in Capistan's going to come my life, but there's part of why I like the concept of agorism because a lot of it's about like bringing it back to the roots, start producing your own shit, like, you know, go more local, which seems kind of counterintuitive for an ANCAP. But when you realize what we're living under, when we're living under this fascism corporate state right now it's like that is what in Pakistan would be closer to mm. like it's going mm -hmm. to be more decentralized i mean obviously it'll get more refined mm. but we've gone so far down the decentralized route that we're gonna need like that you're gonna need people to have gardens or selling shit at fucking like it's gonna be very trad in a way you know very like you know going to the farmer's market type stuff like that is probably closer to what it's going to be i'm sure it'll get more refined but these corporations we've seen are products of the state yeah. Like, we're not going to have this, like, and, like, it seems counterintuitive. You're like, oh, well, this is so much more efficient. Like, but it's not. These are so centralized yeah. that you throw a run wrench in the machine and, like, it, it goes to hell. So, like, so something, there is, like, we were kind of getting earlier, what seems right. Like, we, like tradition, some, some things of tradition aren't so bad. When you have, like, the norm, like, what is, what is the American dream is having 10 acres and a small field that you grow some shit on. If that's the, there's, that's the American dream. Like things aren't so bad because now it's like you have your own shit. I mean, yeah, you aren't living off that, but you trade. I'm not saying we go completely back to fucking like Ann Prim or like whatever, but there's some reason why I feel like in a lot of our hearts, that's kind of weirdly what we sort of long for. Like there's something true there. And like, like I feel like we've been lied to that. Like the corporations are like, what is most efficient and like, well, we're capitalists and this is like, what works out best in the end. And it's like, well, not really. Like, I mean, I don't feel like a lot of what we have would be actually efficient in a true free market. Like it's only works out mm. temporarily under our current societal or, or government conditions. So, and, and I don't think it's a bad thing either. No, I, I think you're on point. And, and when you were talking, I, I was um, thinking about there, there's a reason why a tradition is a tradition, right? There's a reason why it's still here. Right. And, and I don't remember if it's um, the name of the person who came up with this concept escapes me right now. But it's, uh, you know, don't tear down a fence. Oh, I don't remember his name. Shapiro, isn't it? No, no, no. <laughs> the, the, don't tear down a fence unless you know why it was built. And maybe they come from somewhere else. But I swear I heard Shapiro say that. No, it's, uh, oh, it's 
Chesterfield. Chesterfield's fence. That's it. I really hope you're wrong and you're quoting Shapiro. <laughs> I really oh please God no. Well, he probably used it too, right? He probably yeah, I'm sure yeah, he yeah. didn't use it in the same yeah. context that I'm using it in, but good good on him for not being wrong about everything. And that's you know, the reason why something has lasted so long is probably because it works. You know, we don't know that. I mean, it has to be explored. But rather than go like the woke bougie prog route and get all fucking church of woke and start tearing down these structures, well, maybe those structures are there so human civilization doesn't collapse and we don't all fucking eat each other. Like there's got to be something about that. Maybe it was corrupted. Maybe it was misused, you know, but and and the other point you brought up that I thought was was good. I think it was Dave Smith who was talking about people with a sense of humor. I think this was his tweet. And he said, you know, people who have been through like real shit in their lives, like really tough times and really fought and scraped and clawed their way out of those things, just have a sense of humor that's super different from people who haven't gone through struggle. Like we just laugh at fucking horrible shit because it's better than crying at it, right? Because you go through it and you're like, holy fucking crap, how did I survive this awful situation that almost fucking killed me? the best way I can deal with this shit is just to make fun of everything and laugh. And when you see somebody getting all bothered, right, by fucking nonsense, memes, jokes, that was really funny, the fat Dave Smith comment, right? <laughs> <laughs> and anybody who would get upset with that, you're like, what have you even been through? What have you done? Yeah. Like, you're, you're, I look at you in your profile, you haven't, you've never been through struggle. You've never yeah. seen pain. What do you know of what I've been through? And you can just yeah. spot it right away. It's a great signal. By the way, who does that account? Is that Cam? Who? Who does the fat uh, Dave Smith Cole, account? Cole. Cole. He's oh. a... I, probably, I don't know if I should say that, but whatever. It's I, I can, I'll cut he's, that out if you want me to. No, it's whatever. It's no big deal. I don't care. But he's basically outed himself a million times. Uh, but he's on Tower Power Hour. He's uh, one of the hosts. But mm. uh, yeah, Cole. Uh, it's basically his main account at this point. But uh, yeah. No, I, I quote tweeted that. I mean, I hate to get this like I quote to this and then so and so shit. Nah, fuck it, do it. But I, I, I just thought it was uh, I, I kind of condensed his message with that and I put and I put uh, dark humor is typically born out of trauma. Mm. I said soft soft lives tend to lead to soft bitches. Mm. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I love I, that. But it was like, and I said it tends because don't get me wrong, like just because you've had a good life doesn't mean that you necessarily have to be soft or whatever, but it's. But there's something to that. It is it definitely the tendencies align that way? Like, sure. And I mean, to get back at like the offensive joke, like my best friend in the world is a black dude. Like, if I told him that fu- that fucking joke that like Fat Dave told, he'd probably think it was hilarious. Like, mm. I mean, there, there's there he's because he's not a soft bitch. Like, right. I don't know what to right. say. Like, he doesn't care. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, sure, if some dude he didn't know like said it in some type of way to him, like he might get offended. But like when you're on Twitter or something, when you're like, this is like. Twitter is like just clowning around. So. <laughs> I mean, kind of, you know, and, yeah. and you know, I, I'm almost, I'm almost 39 now. And, and so I'm in that kind of like ripe age group where there, we have one foot in the analog age and one foot in the digital age. And, you know, it, it, it goes way before nine 11, let alone wokeness. And even growing up in a lower middle-class somewhat integrated Connecticut suburb, I mean, if you didn't, learn how to bust balls if you didn't if you couldn't come up with quick witty quips to fight back when somebody was making fun of you you didn't have any friends so we quickly learned like comebacks clowning on people you know jumping down their th- and and you just did it as, as a rite of passage nobody hated you but honestly if you weren't good at it probably nobody would hang out with you they wouldn't beat you up or anything and then the, the when i got into the military 
that was like the like the trampoline, like the rocket that launched me into clowning on people. Like I already had that upbringing kind of, and then I got in the military and everybody is an asshole. Like everyone just fucks with you. And I was like, oh, I love these people. And I was oh in the God, Air Force great. too, but I was working with Marines and Army and Navy and and uh, in, in a pretty guttural uh, job job field. And man, the, 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 just the shit that would come out of people's mouths was just <laughs> glorious. It was just beautiful. Yeah. And so this I, is, uh, you know, for you and I, this is nothing. This is nothing yeah. for us, you know? No, I, I convinced, I, I had so many fun little tricks I like to do. I remember at one point I convinced, cause I was like the guy who ran the floor of a mechanics area at one point, like, and I literally convinced some kid that a bukkake was a name of a certain component. <laughs> and I would always do it from like whenever, like, because I knew, and I was dead serious, deadpan. Cause he was just one of those guys who was just very oblivious. Like it really was raised like kind of in a barn type thing. And like, so like, <laughs> and I just, in my head, and it was one of those things I'm literally was playing the long con. Cause it was like, I didn't really, it's not like I got a joke, but I, in my head, I knew one day, he was going to go to somebody and be like, yeah, that right there is a bukkake. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the kind of stuff we do. <laughs> and I told all my friends, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you need to go along with it, too. Like, if you ever talk about that, oh, yeah. remember, that's the bukkake. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, to this day, I don't know if it ever paid off, but it's in my head, I found that hilarious. Like, that's the kind of stuff we would do. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know what, you know, what makes somebody unable to have that sense of humor. Do you, do you have any, I mean, insight into somebody who would listen to that and, and just be like, Oh, that's offensive. I mean, who would, what kind of person doesn't think that's funny? I mean, I, maybe my grandmother, if she gets a pass, but you know, like anyone like in, in our age, twenties, thirties, like that's a little funny. No, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's, I just, I really just can't. I, all I can think is you just haven't led a hard life. Like you just like or virtue signaling maybe like they they just yeah. they, they think it's actually funny but they're not al- allowing themselves to agree in public. Maybe they legitimately don't find it funny, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like I don't. It's just one of those things where it's like it just shows the kind of person because I feel like that's a thing. Which I mean, maybe it's a human nature thing where we like kind of sharpen steel against steel and we kind of try to identify what kind of people we're working with. But it's very much a working man's thing. So like, mm. and in part of why I was thinking when mm. we were talking about like this is like. Maybe this kind of comes back to tradition. We're trying to, in a sense, identify those people who are prepared for the kind of life that we're looking for, because like the people who are going to be for that are going to be the hard workers are probably going to be blue collar. Like, yeah, sure. Like maybe you can be a yuppie, but like, I don't know. There's got to be some sort of like, I I don't know. Like it's like, as I was getting with corporations, like, and how we get these yuppies, like, I don't, I think corporations a bastardized thing that like, modernity has created and i don't Mm. think these fucking mid-level managers are going to be this thing in a real fucking world or these like bureaucratic like hr fucks or whatever like these people that are like just i don't think it's gonna be a thing it's gonna be like you're gonna have to fucking provide you're gonna have Mm. to actually provide Mm. something here i'm sorry (laughs) yeah there there really is no there is no real world market for a mid-level manager like that that's Mm. a made-up thing that doesn't exist in on a farm Right, that doesn't exist in in somebody like in a in a you know third world country living on a you know a bowl of rice a day. They don't have like a mid level manager. That's not a thing. That that's a creation of people trying to soak money out of a system for nothing, right? Yeah. For real corporate. quick, I want to sorry, I didn't mean to throw up your vibe, but no, I want to say any 
any ANCAP thinking right now? Because I know this is like so very, for a lot of ANCAPs, this is very against their thinking because they're just like very like capitalism, like uh, uh, sharpens everything. And I agree, but I just don't think that is what would be created. But like, think about this past year and just imagine in your head, if what me and you are describing, if we were closer to that, what would have occurred? Nothing. Like it wouldn't have affected if we had, if you had like, I don't know, probably say we had like quadruple the amount of like small farms that we have and you had, it was people got more local and like that kind of stuff. Like these supply issues that were like kind of cropping up, even now we're seeing like, say like bacon still friggin' hard to get, like that wouldn't be a thing. And I actually yeah. feel like prices would be lower. Like, I just feel like things would be so much more efficient. And like, so like, if you really think about it, this decentralized model that me and you are sort of talking about is far better than the model we currently have. So, yeah. Well, I mean, just living closer to the earth in general mm -hmm. is good yeah. for you. I mean, it, it's, it may, maybe the, the hippies and the commies have that right in, in some kind of way, you know, yes. the, the closer to the earth that you're eating, the closer to the earth that you're living. And, and not to mention that without the state, without the product of the government, or I'm sorry, without the government, there can't be corporations. They're legal entities created by the government for tax purposes and for regu regulatory purposes, who obviously use regulatory capture and rent seeking to control the market and keep other people from getting involved in it. So anybody who's calling themselves an anarchist or God forbid, a right-wing anarchist who's out there defending corporations, like, I don't know, man, I got to pull your card at this point. Like you, what, what you're just defending the state that you're against. That, you know, even like mid-level corporations for me, they don't get a pass. And listen, I've, I've run uh, at least four LLCs as far as restaurants and at least three side hustles. And the very fact I even had to register those with the state is fucking bullshit. Now, I've had some agoristic, you know, enterprises throughout my life as well, which we won't get into here. But yeah. even then, I mean, are they exempt from state control? You know, the apparatus of the state? I don't think so. I think that's just something that people need to be honest about at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the whole, like, is is it, a, is it part, is it the state or is it not? It's like, I feel like we need to, and this is one issue, I think, in libertarians in general, and it's one thing I've kind of changed my mind a lot. We're such bad fucking binary thinkers. Mm. We just are. It's bad or it isn't. And it's like, no, that's one great thing that, like, I feel like you kind of, a point that gets driven out of Konkin and agorism is, like he very much focuses on the gray because, for example, like one friggin' straw man that's always brought up about agorism is like, well, you can't. Not everyone could just go escape in the woods and fucking, you know, whatever. It's like, no, he never advocated that. He literally was like, yeah. push it as far as you can without getting in trouble, and that's literally it. Like, yeah. and like, so it's the gray. It's like no one's saying that like you aren't a good agorist if you don't entirely do this. If you can, if you only feel comfortable doing this, or you only feel. And that kind of applies too to other things. Like we need to stop thinking so binary. It's like there are grays and like, you know, like the little, little convenience store down the road in a rural area. Sure. Maybe they're like, you could say they're like 5%, you know, like, you know, indebted to the state. But now if we're talking about Amazon and Google, different beasts, but they're both to some extent are it's just, we need to stop being such binary thinkers and realizing that mm -hmm. like they're, 
even the smallest of companies technically isn't completely a private company, but they're more of a private company than like Google or Amazon. Yeah. So like it just yeah. Like we get so caught up in like, well, that's a private company, but like, eh, not really. It's it, even even private business. We always try to like use business as it is now as an example of capitalism or whatever. But it's like even that is corrupted by the state in the sense that you really can't like. There is no like. We won't know until the state is gone what 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 shows up. We can kind of use theory to guess, but like, yeah, no, it's it's it, we need to stop start thinking on a spectrum. Not to sound like a lefty, but it is true. Like we need to start thinking more on a spectrum and less binary. Well, I mean, well, you're right. I mean, things. I mean, because look, look how many private businesses. I mean, I'm I'm not sure what area of the country you're in, but here in even in Southern Connecticut, in the industry that I've been in for 16 years, and most of them here in this particular area. Uh, I know that people didn't want to follow these protocols for COVID. I know they didn't want to, but they did it because they were afraid. So what is it that you're afraid? They're not afraid of COVID. None of them were. Well, maybe one or two were like legitimately afraid of COVID. But for the most part, I'd say like 90% of the people I know, nobody gave a fuck about COVID. They were afraid about getting their liquor license yanked. They were afraid about uh, getting Yelp reviews. One star Yelp reviews from these fucking Church of Woke lunatics. Like that was the shit that kept them closed. And, you know, how does that, I mean, is that the free market? I mean, is it? I don't know. I mean, because if n- there, there was no consequence to you other than social pressure, I think they would have stayed open. I think they would have weathered the social pressure, a lot of them anyway. You know, th- there are some places now, even though it's been almost a month since the quote unquote restrictions have been lifted, there are a few places that have kept them in, kept them in place, but nobody else has it. It's like this never happened. I mean, people still wear masks and shit, but nobody says anything to you if you're not wearing one. So clearly they would have done it before, you know? So, I mean, that's got to be kept in mind too. That social pressure is a a good thing, I think. And people can make the decision whether or not to accept the consequences of that. But when you're keeping your business closed or restricted or regulated because you're afraid of having your fucking business ripped out from under you through violence, then Mm -hmm. what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Went a little harder on that than I was expecting to. So essentially what you're saying is you're a right-wing accelerationist and we should burn this entire thing down in Minecraft. <laughs> it's yes and no. I mean, I am in a sense an accelerationist, but at the same time I'm not I I do want the death of the state, but it's not even that uh I don't know what how do I, how I mean, do I meant that kind of facetiously, but feel free to no, roll I, with that. I, 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 I caught <laughs> that. I caught point. that. But it is like there's truth in there because I am in a sense kind of accelerationist, but at the same time, at the same time I'm accelerating towards um, building parallel parallel ins- institutions, yeah. um, starting to break off in yeah. our own little areas, creating pockets of more freedom and pockets of more authoritarianism as well. Because I do think, and I think it's naturally going to kind of happen like that right now too, because I think the state is dying. Mm. I think, and I mm-hmm. think, I really think Konkin, like not to keep bringing him up, but this is also like, I always bring up too that like uh, God, I'm gonna make his name later, but I can think of him. But uh, he was an anarchist historian. He kind of pointed out the earliest states that they uh, kind of formed up around agriculture, and you end up having these like areas that were like, you know, the state formed, and around it is where the barbarians lived in the less fertile areas because, and they were like basically stateless. And if you look at like fossil records and stuff, those people were thriving. But like we we look at them in in the past as like barbarians and whatever, but they actually mm. weren't as bad as we give them credit to be. Uh, God, I forgot my whole point, but, but my point being like, like I see that going forward. We, I see that it rhyming. It's kind of like we have pockets, like that area of statism will be, 
will be more focused. And I, I see like it, we're getting closer to that, but on like a different, mm. almost ascended, you I mean, obviously with different technology and stuff. So I, that's kind of my vision of the future is that we're going to see like these states are going to recede to like this, not the, the state itself is going to recede to like cities. And like, I, and I don't even necessarily know if we're going to be like, well, this is in Kapistan or in like, this is this, but I, I I'm seeing more like, here's this technocratic city. And then we have these people live on the outside. And it's like, yes, we're still all technically part of the same state, but there are some people in the state that kind of don't really give a shit and don't really pay attention. And then there's some people who hyper pay attention and hyper give a shit. And those are the ones who live in their little, like, you know, the agenda 2030, like, you know, technocratic cities type shit, you know? So like, that's kind of how I see the future going forward. And like, it's like you have pockets of freedom and pockets of authoritarianism. Well, so. you, you make a good point there that I'll, I'll highlight, and maybe we can kind of wrap up on this. It's, you know, so many anarchists and libertarians are concerned with not just focusing on our current reality, but tearing it down, you know, or beating it back or just paying a lot of fucking attention to it. And so few, even agorists, uh, are not always good at this, at creating something that is not just parallel to the state, which I think you said, but competes with it, right? So, Mm. so few people are out there creating something that's competitive with the current market of the state. And, you know, I know John Bush's freedom cells are kind of doing that. And I think, weren't you working on a project that was similar to this? I I was working on it with the Liberty Movement thing, which you briefly mentioned. It, it kind of fell apart because Facebook became a, a hellhole, so it wasn't mm. the greatest place to build a community. It's still there, and there's still remnants. I mean, of of it, it kind of formed some local groups, and some things came out of it. I don't think it was a net. It was. It, I think it was a, a net positive, but uh, we were kind of working on it. I would definitely now suggest going to that. I mean, if you want, if you do a social media thing, and that's more your thing, then yes, yeah, so the, the Liberty Movement is a good thing for you too. You can always DM me if you're listening. And I can move you to those spots, so you might have more luck there. You can start identifying people in your local area, because with that like liberty movement thing, we had the main page, and then we kind of broke off into local chapters. Um, and so there were some that kind of like grew to good size, like the Florida one. Like we had, we had a meeting and everything, and mm. the Oregon one had a couple of meetings. So I mean, there's still remnants of it. Obviously, probably gonna be rejuvenated for people that that's something they're interested in. I just think Facebook kind of really got wild. I don't know if it was just. I mean, I think their groups feature kind of in a weird way. Kind of was almost like like kind of threatening because I know mm-hmm. a lot of groups were forming up around that time. So I don't know what to make of that. But, yeah. Well, I, I think the, you know, the heart's in the right place there. And even for people who, this is something I, I, I really want to harp on for libertarians and anarchists and anyone listening right now. It, you know, maybe the Liberty movement doesn't work this time around. Maybe John Bush's freedom cells don't work out this time around, but they start a conversation. They, they mm-hmm. enter the marketplace with some ideas and then, you know, if they don't work, if they do work, great. If they don't work, well, then someone else comes along and they come, they come up with a better way of doing it. And it grows yeah. and it, they, they compete with each other in the marketplace of ideas. And this is all very well-directed stuff that we're talking about. So, you know, I like the freedom, starting a freedom cell and really getting people to sort of um, use it, I've found to be incredibly difficult here in Connecticut. But yeah. it's better than nothing. And if anything, we get together, we talk about why it's difficult, and we can figure out how to make it better and and help John or help ourselves create something else or help you create something else. I think it can be debilitating sometimes for you know us in this space to look at everything as it's like the fucking answer, 
And then when it doesn't work, it's like, fuck this. It's never going to work. Right. And it's like, no, well, let's just keep trying and motivating ourselves to stay white pilled and stay on this because it, it, this is important. It's important to keep trying things until they work. And I think yeah. that, that idea of, you know, pulling in your community and like-minded people is pretty obvious. It should work. Yeah. And that's one thing I, I had said from the beginning when we started that Liberty Movement thing, me and, my, me and a few buddies, like, and we were like, as long as we can just get something out of this, like, even if it's anything, a little thing, like we had multiple meetings, like that's something like, like, I mean, shit, like as simple as like, we literally had like in Florida on the Tampa chapter, we had a burger burn and it was just like it, like, but Hey, that's something we had a handful of guys that now know each other better. And I know that happened in other places. That was something reverberated throughout the United States. Like, so like, and it's something I, I met so many people. And then on top of that, my podcast was born out of that because I started the Liberty movement YouTube podcast as an outlet from that to kind of be like a, to kind of take this like concept and build on it more. Eventually that died out too, because I just couldn't handle anymore. Anyone listening, if you want to find out more about it and you want to run it, cool. Cause I actually put out a thing saying, if anyone wants to run this, I'll walk you through what it's all about. Like, and you can do it and it's pretty much can run itself or you can use it as a way to boost your own podcast or whatever. The whole side thing, you can look at my own shit, but anyways, something came out of it. Like my podcast came out of it. Like that's something like, so I mean, I don't like, yeah, there very much is like, just derive something out of it. Just do do fucking something. That was like one of my initial yeah. messages yeah. that I yeah. started. Was like yep. do something. Like like don't be stuck in theory. Take theory into practice. Do fucking something. If that's if that's doing a garden in your backyard, cool. If that's getting out of the military, cool. If that's if that's like not wearing a mask at the fucking at the supermarket, cool. Like what whatever the fuck you can do, do something. Stop just like being in theory and being like cool. Like start start to realize that like. There's a reason we have this theory and because it, it applies to the real world. If your theory doesn't apply to the real world, it's kind of useless. And this past year, I feel like it gave us a lot of us, a, a big old fucking wake up call mm-hmm. of that. And so like, cool. A lot of our theory came, became reality. Now you need to take that theory and put it into practice. And I mean, I guess that's kind of an issue with a lot of like ANCAP theories. It kind of doesn't have a practice. It just kind of like, so <laughs> that's a whole other thing. It's like, that's where we get caught up. It's like tactics and strategy. But I mean, even do something like, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, like me and you could get a whole other like hour conversation, like the politics aside. I would I would prefer you didn't. But I mean, shit. I mean, if that's what you feel like you got to do, I mean, uh, I, I'm hesitate to, to encourage it because I actually think it, it is either doing nothing or negative. But fuck, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> so like, just do fucking something. <laughs> no, I, I, I like that. That that message. <clears throat> I, I really should say that line more because it was about. I'm 39, so it's about 20 years ago. I was in a really, I have 25 years ago. I was in a really rough spot, and I remember talking to my my father, and and I and I, I said, you know, I don't know what to do. I, I don't. Every time I try to do this, this happens. Every time time I try to do that, that happens. It feel I feel like every road I'm I'm going down, I'm running into a brick wall. I don't know what to do. I've just kind of. And he he said the same exact thing to me. This is the, the God God's honest story. I've talked about it on Facebook. I've never talked about it on the show. And he said to me. Listen, no matter what, just do something. Just do something. Mm-hmm. Just go out there and do it. Even if it doesn't work, just do something else. Then do something else. Then do something else. And eventually, you will do enough things where something will click and something will work and you'll find the right people and this will all work out. It will always, I, and I know it's a very white-pilled positive message, but I don't think it's wrong. No. Which, I mean, as long as you're doing something, I mean, I guess, yeah, there is to be learning to be done and realize maybe you're doing the wrong something, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. Yep. It's better than doing nothing, I guess. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know. Like, 
I mean, I guess, I guess technically it's wrong. I mean, I guess there are things you can do that are worse than nothing, but like for the most part, like, I don't know if you're being on earnest and you're trying to move, you're trying to do something like, I mean, maybe you'll realize later it's the wrong thing. We were kind of getting like weird esoteric. Well, like, I, I mean, know, to good, be fair, I mean, doing nothing yeah. is doing something. You're choosing to yeah. do nothing. So there's a consequence <laughs> to that too. I mean, yeah. you want to get super esoteric, but all right, man, uh, we're, we're coming up on an hour plus. I, I want to know if there's anything that we didn't bring up that's, you know, tangential or relevant here that you think is important to mention before um, we kind of close out. Uh, not really. I mean, I was just going to like a bookmark on that point we were making, kind of bring it back to podcasts and see if you agreed. Cause I think that like do something or just keep plugging away kind of really does apply to this. Cause like, I mean, I don't know how long you've been doing this. I've been doing this about like seven months and it's like, you go through long periods of like, Oh, I got 10 views. Uh, I got a, hmm. uh, Oh cool. I got 20. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, so it is like, but you kind of keep plugging away. Like you, you grow, you, I don't know, you get cooler guests, you realize like, holy shit, like so-and-so is actually willing to talk to me. Like, I don't know. It's kind of just like, just keep moving. I mean, like, it's one of those things that sometimes, I mean, even with the podcast, there's a lot of times where I'm like, fuck, what am I doing? Like, why am I wasting my time? But then like, you know, like just keep going, you know? I mean, like Bob Marley said, man, each one teach one. If you reach one person and maybe, you know, you, you were the thing that made that person into the future leader of Ancapistan, like who knows, you know, so <laughs> yeah. you never know who you're reaching. I think just doing this is, is so important and following your heart is so important. I, I listened to that episode you did with Nick about starting a podcast um, oh, yeah. a couple of days ago, just to kind of prep for this. I thought it was really good. I mean, I, I went through the same stuff and I think everybody does. And it, it was really nice to hear, you know, a couple of people like really good people kind of talk about the process and sort of how they work themselves through it. I, th I thought that was interesting. I'll probably link that uh, show in the show notes too. I think it's good for people to listen to. Yeah. That one was a while ago, man. That's a blast from the past. So the, I mean, I guess it probably wasn't that long ago, but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. Yeah. It would be funny to kind of go back and revisit it. Cause I'm almost in a slightly different spot than I was. It, that's almost like an episode I could do like every six months yeah. just to be like, revisit it. You know, <laughs> like where am I at now? Oh, I think hundred so, percent. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. People would probably want to see that development too. Yeah. So uh, um, as far as um, being in spots that you are, let people know where they can check out your shit. I am on YouTube. I am the No Way Jose YouTube podcast. I don't even think I somehow magically even mentioned that at all. But uh, my podcast is No Way Jose. I'm on YouTube. I'm also on just about everywhere podcasts are available at. I just got on Odyssey recently, so that's cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even think I have 10 followers yet. So go in there if you want to get on the decentralized thing because – I mean, not that I'm like overtly like over the top on my channel, but I, 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 I dabble. So you never know when they might get me. So, uh, you know, it's worth it to go on Odyssey. And I think it's kind of like we were talking about parallel institutions. It's good to kind of, you know, support that which you want to. I mean, I know I'm very much a boomer when it comes to tech. So I have a, I have a bad problem of doing that as well. It's easy to go to the old like fallbacks that are easy. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, just go in there, check my stuff out. I, I feel like there's pretty much something for everybody. I kind of initially started out going like more cultural stuff. Now I just kind of talk about whatever I want, but I, there's a very, lots of different stuff. Like I've done stuff on comics, manga, like just hmm. basically it's just kind of whatever the hell I want to talk about. So I don't know I, I've had a lot of great guests. I've had a good time. So I, it might be worth mercy checking out if you guys want. And Jose Galison is clearly your real name. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm totally. super Hispanic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. It's been a blast. I really enjoyed it. All right, everybody. That's our show for today. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you to Jose Galisan for coming on and having this conversation with me. That's it. For now, everybody, I appreciate you. I love you. Stay safe. Be well. I will talk to you soon.